Well, good morning, H2O. Everybody's good. This brings back so many memories for me. Ten years ago when I went to college, just want to make sure you're listening. 45 years ago, um, some of the most formative years of my entire life. And uh, I want to I tell you a little bit about what happened before we get into uh, the Word of God together. Uh, I came to faith through Young Life. Are there any Young Life people in the house today? There's only just a couple? Come on. Are there any Young Life people in the house today? Come on. Just do it, do it whether you want to do it or not, okay? Parachurch organization builds relationships with high school kids on their turf, very incarnational, very relational, and then introduces them to the greatest news of all, that God cares about you. And I worked with them for six years. Uh, when I went away to college, and again, this makes me so excited to see where you are. You are so privileged today to have this experience. I went away to be a dentist. I went away to be a dentist because my dad was a doctor, and I said, I'll just keep health profession in the family. And I got involved with Young Life, and I remember, still remember Winnie Gap, North Carolina, took a van load full of kids. And uh, on the last night of camp, out of my 15, five of them stood up in a meeting similar to this, except it was a little bit more fun, a little more rowdy. Okay, five uh, among 400 other, other peers that they had met, and they made public, public professions of faith for Jesus. And I'm seeing, uh, 45 years ago, I can feel it right now. I'm sitting on the floor, and I'm looking at my five kids, and as sure as sure can be, the Spirit of God prompted me, and he said this. He said, if you don't do anything else with your life, make sure you do this. Amen? And I went home, and I called my dad, and I said, Dad, I don't want to be a dentist. I want to go into the ministry. And we're all in the ministry here today. Everybody understands that? Everybody here today is a witness. And as my pastor used to say, you are the only Christian somebody knows. And I promise you they are watching you. Uh, you're, you're the lifeline, if you will. You're the opportunity that God is counting on. So through the years, I just saw hundreds of kids come to faith. After six years, I, I noticed that they didn't get into good churches. They didn't fare well. And I began to understand that church is a phenomenal part of what God is doing. So I went away and I got trained, and I pastored for over years. Uh, don't look that old, right? Isn't that what you're thinking? I mean, come on. I, I should tell you, too, my daughter-in-law is an H2O product, and she is awesome up at uh, Columbus. And she's the first one that introduced me. And then I met Grant and love Grant. You guys love Grant? And Cassie, the better half, and Aaron and Jonathan, all, all of them. They're, you guys are so, so awesome. And uh, I just respect you, appreciate you. I appreciate our partnership in, in Price Hill, too. And we have a place in Queensgate, and we have one over in Covington also. Uh, I believe with all my heart the poor have a special place in God's heart. That when Jesus stood and gave his first sermon, he said, Spirit of God has wanted me to preach good news to the poor. Freedom to the captive, sight to the blind. You're of God's favor to all people. And when he ended his ministry, I don't know if you remember this, in Matthew 25, they're saying, who's in, who's out? Let's talk about it. I was hungry and you fed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was in prison, you visited me. Come on. And they said, well, when did we do that? And he said, when he did it to the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you did it for me. That is so strong, guys. So I am so fired up about Buffalo. 
I'm so fired up about North Carolina, and I'm really fired up about UC campus. Go Bearcats. I also used to be a, a chaplain when Butch Jones was here, and they were good then, but they're, they're really good today, the, the Bearcats. Right? I thought I'd get a bigger hit for that. I mean, come on. You guys made it to uh, all, all the way down to the Final Four in football, right? Okay. I can tell there are not many football fans here today, but that's okay. I say all that to say I'm really excited about what God put on my heart to share today. I want you to hear a little bit of my life story. And so I'm going to be teaching out of Ephesians chapter 3. If you want to turn there, if not, it's going to be up on the screen. And I want to talk about the fact that the mystery of the gospel always leads to the ministry of the gospel. The mystery of of the gospel. You ready? God loves you. He loves you. And he loves you. You and all your failures, you and all your foibles, you and all your frustrations, God says, I love you. And I got your name and I got your number. And when I get your heart, you'll follow me. The mystery of the gospel always leads to the ministry of the gospel. You with me? You've been touched by God. You are called to touch other people for God. I love that this church is so committed to that. You've been brought in by God through good news. They call it good news for a reason. It's worth sharing. You're called to bring other people in. Amen? You're going to take one thing with you when you leave this life. It's not fame and fortune. It's people that you've influenced, that you've touched. You've been remembered by God. And by golly, you are being called to remember others for God. And in Ephesians 3, Paul is speaking particularly about how the dividing wall of hostility between Jew and Gentile, one of the greatest rifts ever, has been brought down through the blood of Jesus. And now it's no longer just the Jews that are included. It's the Gentile, ready, dogs. It's the Gentiles Jews thought were fuel for the flames of hell. And God says, I love those people. I like what Bill Heibel says. You've never locked eyes with anybody that God isn't absolutely crazy about. Ever. And the question is, do they know it and do they understand it? And the reality is, most of them don't. And that's where you come in. And that's why I come in. 95% of people in the kingdom of God today are there because somebody else showed them the way, told them the way, led them the way. You ready? You, you, you hear that? 95% of all people. Every one of you here this morning has... A, a, a sphere of influence, the Greek word would be called an oikos, a household, a, a prominent sphere of influence of at least 8 to 15 people. I want to say it again, they're watching you. They're wanting to know if what you believe is really real for you and true and possibly would it work for them. And the mystery of the gospel again is that God loves who? 
ministry is, your role and mine and our goal is to make sure they hear it. Jesus said in Luke 5, it's not the healthy who need a doctor. Who is it, church? The sick. In the Abrahamic covenant, Genesis chapter 12, when the people of God became the people of God, does anybody remember what Moses said when, when he spoke for God in Genesis 12, 2 and 3, and he said, I will make you into a great nation, and I will what? I'll bless you. I'll bless your socks off, okay? Let's be a little loose with the translation, right? And I will make your name great, and you will be a what? You'll be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So I'll say it again. You've been blessed to do what? Bless other people. You've been touched to touch. This is why Jesus at the end of his life gave us what's called the Great Commission. And the Great Commission says get up and go. It doesn't say sit and stay. Get up and go. And the, and the wording is, and as you're going all along the way, make sure you're sharing the gospel with people. Make sure you're fulfilling this commission. And don't let it be an omission, if you will. To influence people, to cough on them, as I like to say, and give them the gospel virus. Yes? I mean, we talk about COVID, let's talk about the gospel. We got the greatest virus in the whole wide world. We do. It's a life giving virus, it's different than any other. Ephesians chapter 3. Paul is writing from prison, and he's reminding his church, his people, what's really important and what really counts in life. Two times in the first two verses, I want you to catch this before we read it, he literally says what God did for you, he really intended you to do for others. He says, please, please, please don't keep it. Please, please, please don't sit on it. That's what God spoke to me at Windy Gap. You with me? 45 years ago when he said, hey, if you don't do anything else with your life, make sure, make sure you're in the, the ministry of helping other people understand the mystery that God loves them and that God cares about them. So let's read Ephesians 3. We're going to read the whole thing, and then we're going to go and break it down. Deal? Everybody say Deal. Thank you. All right. Paul says, for this reason, verse 1, for the reason of chapter 2 where he already said the dividing wall of hostility between us and God, between ourselves and one another, between Jew and Gentile, the greatest rift ever has been brought down through the blood of Jesus, okay? He did an amazing work on the cross for everybody. For this reason, he says, I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ for the sake of who? The Gentiles for the sake of others. That's what my life is about. I've been brought in. i got to think about those who haven't. Surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for who? He, two times he's already said, whatever God did in your life, it's for other people too. Isn't that good news? You want to have a fulfilled life? 
Make sure you are understanding the mystery and you are engaging in the ministry. They go together. And he says, that is the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I've already written briefly. He's talking about Acts 9 when he got knocked off his high horse. And he had an encounter with Jesus. And the revelation of God penetrated his heart. He said, in reading this sin, you'll be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to men in other generations, that it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets and to us here today. Here it is. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles, ready people far from God, have an opportunity to become heirs together with Israel, members together in one body, and sharers together in the promise of Jesus Christ. Is that good news or is that good news? He said, I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all God's people, this grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. And I want you to know today, you're... Your weaknesses do not disqualify you, friends. God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. And you are called by God today. And he called me in verse 9 to make plain to who? Is it up there? No. Everyone. It says everyone. He called me to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery for ages past, which was hidden in God. Who created all things. And his intent is that now through the church, through H2O at Cincinnati campus, okay? Through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly realms. Even the angels long to hear the message that we have received. And this is according to his eternal purpose, which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. And his eternal purpose is to bring all things together under one head, the Lord Jesus. And he includes everybody. In him and through faith in him, we may approach God with the freedom and confidence. I ask you, therefore, do not be discouraged because of my sufferings, which are for your benefit. The mystery of the gospel is everyone. God has met the deepest need of your heart. God has called you into a partnership to touch and change this world one life at a time. The ministry of the gospel. My very first church I pastored was in North Jersey, New Jersey, right outside of New York City. And they had coffee and chocolate. And I'm from Memphis, so I was like, whoa, we, you guys speak funny up here. And I had 10 wonderful years. My wife and I, we had all our kids there. It was awesome. I had a friend in the ministry also, fellow pastor, who he became the person that the funeral home called in the metro New York area when they didn't have a pastor. So he got a phone call one day, and the funeral home said, I just had a guy die of AIDS this back in 1980. And it was viewed as a huge plague. People were scared to death. Nobody would take the funeral. He jumped and said, I'd love to, love to. So he went to the funeral home the day of the viewing and the day of the funeral. He walked in setting similar to this, caskets right here, and there were 30 homosexual men. Quiet, pensive, silent, heads bowed, shoulders slumped. They were heartbroken. 
He did what you do at funerals. He led prayer. He read scripture. He tried to encourage the people. The whole time, heads bowed, hands clasped, shoulders shrugged. What a blessing. At the end of the funeral, uh, they drive to the graveside, and he leaves a canoe. So this is now what you make a body of. And still, nobody can look at, nobody can look back. Nobody has any sense or semblance of life and hope in their life at all. And so he starts walking back to his car, and about halfway there, he really felt prompted to turn around and go back. And he says, guys, is there anything else I can do for you? And this one guy goes, yeah. He said, could you read the 23rd Psalm? My mom used to read it to me when I was growing up, and I thought I'd hear it today. And he read the 23rd Psalm, and he just got a little bit tense. His shoulders started to come back a little bit. Another guy raised his hand and says, yeah, can you read that place in the Bible uh, where it says nothing can separate you from the love of God? So he opened to Romans 8 and it says nothing can separate you from the love of God. Not life, not death, not sickness, not disease, nothing. And I'm telling you, they, they got up a little bit scared. And now their chin's starting to come up a little bit. Another guy says, yeah, can you read about that time when Jesus' friend Lazarus died? I remember hearing that when I was a kid. My grandmother used to tell me about it. And he said, I'm the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me will live each and will die. Whoever lives and believes in me, do you believe this? And he read that. And, and now I'm telling you, their eyes are opening like, oh, gosh. Listen, one hour later, one whole hour later, they're gone. And the atmosphere is electrified. And there's light in people's eyes. And there's even joy in their hearts. And there's hope. That's being embraced by everybody at that graveside. It changed everything. And here's what I realized when I heard this true story. All those men wanted to know is the mystery of the gospel. That God loves you. That not even death can separate you. That God has an amazing plan for you. The only question answered is, will anybody tell them? That's where you come in. That's where I come in today. We have not only the unbelievable privilege of calling Father, we have the responsibility of trying to help other people understand you can do it too. You can. The mystery of the gospel always leads to the ministry of the gospel. And the question I just want you to ask today is, are you willing to show people? Are you willing to show people? I'm proud of you guys for going to Buffalo. Proud of you guys going to North Carolina. Proud of you guys for being understanding of your faith here on this campus. That's how people are going to get to know. See, the fact is today, we live in a world where everybody has spiritual aids. Yes, everybody. Romans 3.23, we've all sinned, we failed, we didn't hit the mark. We failed, we sinned, we've fallen short. Romans 6.23, and the wages of that sin is what? Separation, alienation, frustration, consternation, spiritual death. We live in a world where every single person needs somebody in their life 
who will embody, who will explain, who will earn a right to be heard. Do we get this, church? Do we get it? And I have to tell you, sometimes it bothers me how little we do get of this. We get so caught up in our own little world. We get so caught up in our own comfort, so caught up in our own plans. And excuse me, people are going to hell in a handbasket. Because of the lack of conviction that, that we sometimes live with. I want to ask you today, what are you willing to do to help the world find hope? To help the world find healing that only can bring them. And if it's not you, then I want to say, who is it? If now is not the time, when is the time? And if this is not the place, where is the place? That was a good move. mystery of the gospel always leads us into the ministry. Paul starts out in Ephesians chapter 3 talking about this mystery in verse 3. Listen, that is the mystery made known to me by revelation as I have already written briefly. And the mystery today is that God loves the Gentiles. God loves people that are far from God. God loves people that have spiritual aids. And that's all of us here today. And I want you to know today, he's already described us, people that were far from God, in chapter 2 as being separate, excluded, foreigners, without hope, and without God. Now let that sink in, and it's that very people that Jesus came to touch. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that powerful to think that God doesn't leave people out because of their spiritual failure and disposition? And he says in verse 6 that those once excluded can now be included. Those once lost, if they hear the gospel and are able to respond, can then walk as found children of God. And he uses three words in there to describe what the mystery accomplishes in people. He talks about how we are heirs in verse 6. The mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles, people far from God, have an opportunity to be heirs together with Israel, the Jews, the people of God. And they get to move out of night into light. They get to move out of sin into salvation. If they can hear this message and embrace this truth, they literally become heirs and co-heirs with Jesus Christ. You know, for an heir to receive their inheritance, what has to happen? Somebody's got to die. When my father-in-law passed away, we read the will, and it showed where all the blessings of his life were to be dispensed. When Jesus Christ passed away, all the blessings of the will of God are now ready to be dispensed to the people of God because somebody, somebody chose to die for them. That's why in verse chapter 1, Paul says you're called, you're chosen, you're adopted. That's the inheritance that is ours in Christ Jesus. But I'm going to say it again. How many people walk around not knowing what the will says? 
and not understanding what Christ has done. And so they walk in poverty throughout their life because nobody took the time to sit down and read the will and help them understand. Are you tracking with me? And that's what God is wanting and desiring of his people here today. I got a question for you. Who did it for you? Was it your parents? Your grandparents? A teacher? A friend? A coworker? I chased a brunette when I was 14 years old to a campus life retreat in Gatlinburg, Tennessee, who eventually became my wife. And on that trip, because of our relationship, I got exposed to the mystery of the gospel. And I finally understood that God loved me and cared about me in spite of me. That's changed my, goes on over 50 years ago, changed my life. And I got introduced to the inheritance because people took the time to help me understand the mystery of the gospel and what God in Christ had done for me. He talks also in verse 6 about us becoming members together in one body and in one family. Now people who didn't have a family have the family of God. Now those that were formerly forgotten are being remembered. Those that were once excluded are brought in. Those on the outside are on the inside. All because somebody welcomed them into the family. That is such good news here today. Are you willing to do that? Are you willing to take the time to cultivate a relationship with somebody far from God? In the hopes that one day they'll understand the inheritance. In the hopes that one day they'll hear the invitation, welcome to the family of God. You guys saw some of the statistics of the community I serve in. Price Hill, community of 25,000 people. One-third of those people are under the age of 18. Three-fourths of those people live in single-parent homes. Can you imagine that? Kids in my community are twice as likely not to graduate, three times as likely to be in poverty. Help me, are they ripe for the gospel? My community, the violent crime, 230% higher than the national average. Unemployment, 130% higher. Median income, 55% higher. It is ripe for the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we have intentionally, Ricky, intentionally put ourselves into that community. And I'm a part of Bridge Builders International. <laughs> I'm not a wall builder. I'm a bridge builder. Because I hope to gain people's trust just like you can, just like I can, just like we can. And then eventually cross over that bridge of a relationship that you've built and somebody you've loved and somebody you've cared for unconditionally and consistently. And then one day they look at you and they say, pray tell, what in the world is the difference in your life? Glad you asked. <laughs> See, boys, that's how God operates. One life at a time. That's the mystery of the gospel. God loves you. God cares about you. God cares and loves other people. And then he says also in verse 6, when we understand this mystery, then we become sharers together in the promise of Jesus Christ. How many of you here today understand what the promises of God will do for you? 
How many of you here today understand what the promise of God will do for you? They will change your life. Listen to what Peter said in 2 Peter 1, 3, and 4. It says, His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. And through these, He has given us His very great and precious what? Promises. Y'all aren't very active. Come on. He has given us his great and precious promises. Now follow, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption of the world caused by evil desires. What role does this book play in your life, friends? This is how you participate in the mystery. This is how you begin to understand and walk in the inheritance. This is how you take your citizenship into the family of God and experience the absolute beauty of what he's done for you. This is why it's so critical to build your life on this truth. Amen? And spend time in it regularly. Yes? You know, when my wife, I, didn't, I don't think I've told you this, my wife passed away five years ago. So 36 years of marriage and 10 years of dating was awesome. And I know she's in a, hall, a, a very good place. When she passed away, six months after she did, I went back to a place where we went for 20 years, Colorado. And uh, went out there, and it was bittersweet, to say the least. And halfway there, now halfway in my middle of my trip, I had my son's father-in-law come join me uh, on, a, on a ranch in Colorado for twice as long. And this guy was a good friend of mine. We were in Bible study together. If I said this band, this friend was successful, that's the understatement of the world. He was a multi, 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 multi-millionaire just for, through his business prowess and skill and he absolutely loved Jesus with all of his heart every single morning in our cabin I would get up and I would walk into the common area and guess what he was doing every day you with me every day this is a man had more on his plate than all of us put together probably this is how you participate in the divine nature. This is how you walk in the reality of who God is and what he's done for you. He's given you an inheritance that's, that's next to none. He's, he's called you now to be a sharer and a co-laborer with him. He's brought you into the family. Of, of once you weren't a people, now you're the people of God. Once you didn't have a name, now you're a child of God. Anybody else excited about this besides me? And isn't it high time we show some enthusiasm for who God is and what God has done? And we realize what I did realize at Windigap, North Carolina, God said, if you don't do anything else with your life, make sure you do this. And everybody said, oh, y'all are pastors. But you're awesome. God loves robots. I want that to sink in. Jews call Gentiles, Gentiles, dogs. Period. Fuel for the flame of hell. And God said, those are the people I'm after. And then I asked again, do the Gentiles know it today? Do we live to show it? Do we care enough to show them? And can I be clear here today? Gentiles, they're sometimes hideous. Smile. They're heinous, right? Let's just be honest, right? 
glory is if we look and we, and we be honest. So am I. I want to tell you when God really showed me this. He, he, he's helped me see up where I serve. There's only one difference in me and the guy on the street and the addict and the prophet. Well, only one difference. I had a million times more opportunity than they did. And to whom much is given, help me. Oh, absolutely. I have a stewardship of life that I must be truthful. But when I was in New Jersey, when I first started in ministry many years ago, I, I was teaching a, a men's retreat in, in, uh, on the Jersey Shore down in Cape May. And uh, it, was, it was a sanctuary, probably about this size. It was totally packed. And we were out there worshiping, and the windows were open, so the worship was going out on the street. And off the street came a, a, a street person. I'll call him a bum. I don't mean that mean. Unclean, dirty, stinky, smelly, hungry, lonely. And there was only one empty seat in the place, and I was sitting in the back. Guess who was next to you? Me. So we're standing there worshiping. He comes in. He's, he's, he's right over here about one, one space over. And while we're worshiping, I look over, and I see tears starting to come down his cheeks. And it wasn't long before he, he, he was just bawling and shaking. And I just really felt constrained, put my arm around him. And I said, we're so glad you're here. Now, this is 35 years ago. Still remember it like today. And I'll never forget what he said. He looked up at me and he said this. He said, you don't know how good it feels to be here. Ministry always leads to the ministry. You're surrounded by people who don't understand how good it feels, how good it is. And to you and me is given the honor and the privilege to help them know the difference. And to realize the difference in you and the heinous people in your life, you're, you're just fortunate. Yes? That's it. say it again before we leave this point of the mystery of the gospel two times in the first two verses he clearly said what i did for you is intended for others paul then talks about the ministry of the gospel if god loves gentiles who else ought to love them all right if god loves the gentiles who else ought to love them you should look at verse 9 Although I am less than the least of all of God's people, this grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Jesus Christ. He says in verse 7 of this gospel, you ready? I'm a bondservant. I'm not a bondservant of Nero. I'm a bondservant of Jesus. I'm not a slave to the American dream. I'm a slave and indebted to the kingdom of God. And friends, I want to live it, do you? I want to show it. You're at one of the most formative seasons of your entire life, I promise you. And you're setting the foundation for what you're going to be when you grow up because you're there. And you've got an opportunity 
to partner with King Jesus and share the gospel with other people. You people that went to Buffalo, did you have fun? You people that went to North Carolina, did you have fun? I'm telling you, it's fun to serve God. It is, and it's fulfilling. This is why Paul said in another gospel, woe to me if I don't preach the gospel. Not my life. It's not what it's supposed to be, and it doesn't count. And I want to say this today. Paul's call is our call. Maybe it's not to be a full-time minister of the gospel, but it is to be in full-time ministry for the gospel. It's a call of everybody. Acts 1-8, when the Holy Spirit comes upon the church. Remember? Luke, who wrote it, says, you will receive power. Greek word is dunamis. We get the English word dynamite. You receive power when the Spirit of God comes upon you. And let me tell you what the power is for. It's to be my, me be my witness. It's to tell the story. It's to show the story. It's to ensure other people have exposure and hear the story. That was my revelation at Windy Gap. If you don't do anything else with your life, Tom Lipsy, make sure you're helping people understand the mystery. Make sure you're loving them unconditionally. Make sure you're building a bridge and not a wall. Make sure you're cultivating relationships with those people. Which leads me to this. Do you have a most wanted list? Not FBI most wanted. But people in your life, I know God wants them. Just steps up your intentionality with which you love them, pray for them, spend time with them, serve them. Everybody needs a most wanted list, I believe. Mine is my neighbors. I live in Price Hill. I live in the hood, as I like to say. When life is good in the hood, I'm called to be there. Wherever you are, you're called to be there. Do you have an intentional lifestyle to try to help people understand the mystery? We had three sons. And when they were growing up, they were all athletic, and they were pretty good. Everybody say, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. I'm, I'm glad you laughed. And my kids were nice kids. They loved people. They were considerate, genuine. I cannot tell you how many times on a Sunday morning I'd stand up, and I would see that family from soccer, that family from football, that family from basketball, all because we were intentional with the way we lived our life. With me? You be intentional. We used to call it young life. Earn a right to be heard. Love them. Be there for them. Serve them. And I promise you, you're making inroads into their hearts. I promise. And look, everybody look around. Look how many people are here today. Go ahead and look around. And everybody has a sphere of 8 to 15 people. I'm telling you, friends, there is a lot of potential here. Amen? There is a boat load of potential here today. And I say this. Having the gospel, the good news, the mystery, and not sharing it is like knowing the cure to a disease and not giving it. My wife died of brain cancer. What do you think I'd feel like if today I learned, well, there was a doctor who had a cure, but he didn't step forward? What would I, what would I think? I'm going to tell you the same thing people are going to think of you. 
And I don't say that to guilt you. I, I say that to say, guys, come on. What a wonderful opportunity. Having the gospel and not sharing it is like a, a giant ship going down and a lifeboat half full goes away because I don't want to get wet with all the other people that need to get into the boat. It's crazy that we would not take the opportunity to be able to share the gospel with people who need to hear it. And you know what? If you're going to do this well, please follow this. Let me get real practical. You got to be present in the moment. I think one of the best counsel I've ever received in my whole life was this. Wherever you are, be all there. Wherever you are, be in the moment. Make the most. Don't miss the opportunity. When we lived in North Joyce, there were two kinds of families that lived there. There were homesteaders, born and raised there, and there was a lot of transients because it was a very corporate area. The, the, the transients were in two categories. I want to be here. I hate being here. <laughs> The ones who hated being here, we couldn't wait for them to leave because they made everybody else miserable like they were. Serious. But there was another class of people who said, this is where God has me, and I'm going to make the most of the moment. You with me? I'm going to be, you're in UC, make the most of the moment. There's not everything you make the most of the moment. I still remember a, a couple in our church, John and Sue. They didn't like North Jersey. And they wanted to leave, and they wanted to leave bad, and it took them two years to sell their house. And we had to listen to them groan for two years. <laughs> but they finally sold it, and listen to this. They got to go to the promised land, their version. They got to go where they always wanted to go, and they, it was their dreamland. I saw them about a year later after they moved, and I said, man, how's paradise? How's the Garden of Eden? How's life? I'll never forget what they said. They said, it's as miserable there as it was here. telling you friends bloom where you're planted make the most of where God has you the mystery is to be shared in the ministry with the people around you and God has placed you there strategically and I want you to notice this in verse 8 Paul says I am the least and the lowest of the low and yet still to me has been given this mystery and what you think qualifies you does not Excuse me, what you think disqualifies you does not disqualify you. I said it earlier, God does not call the qualified, he qualifies the call. Yes? And so don't let that happen to you. And what Paul is saying here today is that the deepest pleasure, the highest priority, the greatest thrill of your life is to make sure you're sharing the gospel message with other people. And let me say this too. You'll never reach the world with the unsearchable riches of Christ, the inexhaustible riches of verse 8, if you don't stop exhausting yourself with the riches of this world. Tell me if you heard what I just said. You will never reach the world with the inexhaustible, unsearchable riches of Jesus Christ if you don't stop exhausting yourself with the riches of this world. You're going to miss out. And I'm telling you, that is not what God wants of any of us. 
Let me share this story, and we're going to land this plane, okay? This is a story about a really successful businessman who woke up one day and realized he was really missing what he was called for. His name is Jeff. Jeff climbed the ladder of success only to get to the top and realize it was leaning against the wrong wall. You guys with me? And he realized that he was called to be in the kingdom. He made heights and depths and widths and breadths of success in every conceivable way. He said his career was more successful than ever. He said he ended up paying more taxes than he ever expected to make in a year. He said, I've been incredibly blessed. He had a beautiful family, a wonderful wife, awesome kids, a lovely home. He had a great car. He traveled at will, had a great vacation home. And then he said this, and I was growing a business that I truly loved in an industry that I'm passionate about. But, and that's a big but, a holy but, somehow something was missing from my life and I couldn't figure out what it was. He said, I've been a Christian since I was seven, but through my pursuit of business and success, I somehow had replaced seeking the Lord with pursuing stuff and success. So easy to do. So easy to do. And he said, then something happened last year that changed my life on a mission trip. That's why it's so good to do missions. He said, I was at a city dump in Tecosagalpa, Honduras. I saw men, women, and children who were living in a dump where they scoured for food and shelter. Humbled by the reality of parents raising their kids in a dump, he said, I reached my breaking point when I saw an eight-month pregnant woman walk by me looking for food. He said, I couldn't determine which was worse, that the baby was conceived in a dump or that the mother was looking food, looking for food in the dump. He said, in the middle of that scene, God asked me a question, and I want you to lean forward because I think he's asking every one of us here today this question. What are you going to do with what I've given you? How are you going to use your influence, your time, talent, and your treasure, and your leadership, and your resources in the world around you? And for the first time, Jeff realized that God had a purpose bigger than his pursuit of the next bigger thing. He had decided to walk away from the American dream to be a stronger citizen in the kingdom of God. Now listen, he still runs his business. He still makes lots of money. He still influences lots of people. But it's no longer for his advance. It is now for the advance of the kingdom of God. And I want to say to you today, friends, God is committed to providing abundant resources and support of those who live in according to his purpose. And you want to know what his purpose is today? Is the mystery of the gospel that God loves you would always lead you into the ministry of the gospel. It is for other people. So what do you want to do with that today? My life got changed at that Young Life Camp. It did. That was well over 40 years ago. I think there's two things you can do um, that will come in the form of questions. Number one is, do you know the mystery that I'm talking about today? Do you? Have you had a time in your life when you admitted, I'm, I'm a hot mess? Have you had a time in your life when you believed Jesus is the Christ, Son of the living God? He's the solution. He's the answer. Have you had a time in your life when you really, really committed to follow? Not just say you are, but I, I'm committed. 
What do you want to do with the mystery of the gospel? And if you haven't done that, I pray that today would be the day. Amen? No day like today. Today is the day of salvation. The second question that I believe God would have us ask is, do we want to share the mystery of the gospel with other people better today than yesterday and better tomorrow and the days that follow? Do I want to do that? And if you do, here's what I want you to do. I want you to stand up right now. I want to pray for you, and I'm the first one standing. I believe it's the, the absolute passion and priority for the people of God. So let's pray together. Father God, I want to thank you so much for H2O Church. I want to thank you, God, for the powerful mission you've given them here in Cincinnati, in Buffalo, in North Carolina, in Cuba, and around the world. Father, you've reminded us here today that we receive power when we come to Jesus and the Spirit fills us to be a witness, starting in Jerusalem, starting right here, right now, going into Judea, the surrounding area, going cross-culturally and ultimately, God, to the ends of the earth. And Father, I want to thank you for this awesome group of students here today. I want to thank you for the call that's on their life, the call that's on H2O. And Lord, I pray you fill them with your Holy Spirit today. Father, I pray you fill them with a deep, deep, abiding, convicting understanding of the gospel of Jesus Christ that would burn like a flame inside of them, Lord. And then, Lord, I pray you bless them in their oikos. Father, I pray you bless them in the relationships of, of, of friends and family and, and yet-to-be friends that you've surrounded them with. I pray even right now, God, you're putting those people on their mind and on their heart. And, Lord, I pray that a door would open one day and that it would be soon that they could share the mystery of Jesus Christ with those folks. And, Lord, thank you, thank you, thank you for sharing it with us. We pray all this in Jesus' name and for his sake.